Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, welcome to everyone. You're at the seminar that's called Selling Yourself. I'm Artis Bazin, the president of Independent Visually Impaired Entrepreneurs, and we're glad that we're doing this session in coordination with the Next Generation Group and the ACB Employment Committee. So I'm going to turn it over to the facilitator of the panel, Carrie Muth from Oregon. Thank you so much, and welcome, everybody. This is Carrie Muth. I am the affiliate president for ACB of Oregon, and I've been on the employment committee for about three years, and it's been a lot of fun and a lot of work. So I'm really looking forward to this session, and we're glad he's able to join us. And I'm going to go ahead and let each of our panelists introduce themselves. So I'll just say your name, and then you could introduce yourself. And first up, we got Sarah Freeman-Smith. You want to introduce yourself, please, Sarah? Yes, certainly. Hello to everyone. Either good afternoon or good morning to uh, everyone. I am indeed honored and and, uh, privileged to be on this panel today. I'm extremely excited. I am an HR professional with over 30 years of experience, specifically gained in the recruiting and talent acquisition space. I am uh, considered legally blind. I have worked for major financial institutions, oil and gas companies, staffing firms, and probably the last five years, I uh, supported and worked with the state of Texas vocational rehab services in helping individuals with disabilities seek employment. So uh, I have both experience on both sides of the desk, uh, understanding it from an HR perspective, but more importantly, I recently changed careers last fall. So I also have the perspective of going through the interview process and uh, being in the hot seat. So I hope today to be able to share with you all some insights and some tips that um, hopefully will help you as you pursue your career goals. Thank you so much, Sarah. And next we have Pam Shaw. Hi, everyone. It's just great to be here, and I certainly bring Fourth of July greetings to all of you. I am calling from just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And depending on when you talk to me, but I'm transitioning, I am a mental health professional, and I provide various services, and this is uh, part of something I've done for a number of years, but always, for the most part, in a private practice, i.e., in an entrepreneurship role. So I, too, am glad to be here and hoping to share some sides. Also, a lot of my career was in government. And so I've been the employee and the employer and now the client <laughs> as well as the provider of service. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Pam and Sarah, both joining us virtually. And um, I have Kayla Allen. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? I am Kayla Allen from Mesa, Arizona, and I am currently employed at Future Insight as a um, assistive technology activities facilitator um and i am a more recent new hire with them great thank you kayla and so just so people have kind of a concept of our structure we have three areas of communication verbal written and visual and Ollie's ask each panelist a question and they'll answer it and then if we have time at the end we'll move to q and a and people who did register for this and helped with the Next Generation Fund, um, there, will, there will be a couple door prizes at the end. So, yay, that's exciting. <laughs> so, so what is your elevator pitch and how do you recommend people develop theirs? Okay. Well, my elevator pitch, I'm going to give you the one that I was using because I'm building one now, and I'll say something more about that. So this might have been my elevator pitch as a life coach. So the the place where I would be would be a networking event. And I would simply say, hello, I'm Pam Shaw. And what I do is I work with professional women who want to combine their profession with their faith so that they can lead the joy-filled life. Um, could you tell me something about yourself? 
So that might be how I might pitch at a networking session. So how do you develop it? Well, what I've learned is I never could have one pitch that fit every situation. So I had to be mindful. Network versus a face-to-face versus a planned event versus someone that I just happened to end up talking to, like on a flight or something like that. So there are a couple of things, too, in addition to paying attention to what you're using that pitch for. One is... I would really encourage you, particularly for purposes of an elevator pitch, to develop your niche. Be specialized in what you do. Now, maybe you're specialized in that you are currently looking for employment. What type of employment? With whom? Know what you're looking for. In the entrepreneurship realm, I have found, again, it's, I know a lot of people will say things like, but if I specialize, I, I want to help everybody and I want everybody's ultimately my customer. But you will do better in specialization. And I'd like to use this example that it, in the medical field, it is actually the specialists who are more likely to be the type income earners because they specialize in a field. And if you think about yourself, When you need to have surgery, who are you going to look for, a surgeon or a general practitioner? So those are just some of my thoughts, and thanks for the question. Thank you so much. And Sarah, so what do you look for, and what is a red flag as far as a prospective employee's verbal communication? And is there a difference between prospective employees and internal employees? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, but before I answer that part, I just want to piggyback that Pam was spot on with her description of putting together an elevator pitch. But I wanted to share a couple of things. One, there was a great presentation this past Saturday, July 2nd, uh, on developing your elevator pitch. And hopefully when they have all the podcasts out, from the conference, I would highly recommend anyone who wants to learn how to uh, put it together. They even had volunteers. So it was a very, very productive uh, and insightful presentation put on by the Employment Committee. Uh, However, what I wanted to share on on elevator pitch that rolls into from a verbal communication, when uh, people say an elevator pitch, essentially, when you're interviewing, it's typically that question, whether you're in a networking event or you are actually actually going for an interview, it's always one of those first questions, tell me about yourself. Well, that's the time for you to express not only who you are, but what your skills are or what you bring to the table. And lastly, what you are going to offer to the company. Because as you all realize, when we go for interviews, the companies are sitting there saying, what is he or she going to be able to do for me? as far as fulfilling that job. So making sure, uh, like Pam constructed her, she told what she was doing, but also the purpose of of, uh, her her goals and how she could hopefully benefit others uh, with with what she's doing. But from uh, verbal communications, from an HR perspective, I always, uh, and, and everyone within the HR community, not just recruiting, but as an HR generalist, There are three C's that we listen for when we are communicating either with an internal or external employee, especially as it relates to uh, interviewing for a job. And those three C's are if the person can speak clearly, if they can be concise in what they say, and if they're confident in what they're saying. So I say that, that when you are doing like elevator spit, pitches, oftentimes everybody's uh, very, very nervous when they're interviewing. So it's always going to come across your nervous. And so one of the things I stress when I was training and coaching individuals to look for work is you have to practice that. It is something that just doesn't come natural. You have to write it down. uh, And it always should be less than a minute, probably ideally between 30 seconds and 60 seconds. Because also, if you can't speak clearly, if you're rambling and you're going on and on and you're telling me from the time you started kindergarten up until this point, you lose the person. They're really just in a snapshot. Tell me about yourself. 
you can just simply capsulize that. And being concise, it's very important in a business community to be to the, to the point and succinct. And then lastly, you have to be confident. You can't sign, sound like you're shy or you're not so sure about what you're going to say. And from an internal perspective, HR, unfortunately, if the person isn't an effective communicator, there is another avenue. They can speak with their supervisor and recommend from a training development perspective that that person take an effective communication course. So that's the reason I, I stress practice you know, how you are communicating and even record yourself and ask someone to do a, a, a mock, you know, type of uh, an interview so you can actually uh, find out if you sound confident, if you're to the point or if it takes you 30 minutes to answer one question. So these are just some internal as well as external uh, tips that we would also share with uh, employees from that perspective. So it's very, very important because that sets the stage that tell yourself for the rest of the interview. Great, Sarah. <clears throat> and um, I, I do want to thank you for uh, mentioning the elevator pitch workshop that was Saturday. That was a lot of fun, and there was a lot of great input in that um, yeah, it was. session. Yeah, it was great. So, and love your um, your three C's. Those are really important. So, next we'll go to Kayla. Your new job. What did you do on the calls to get noticed? All right. <clears throat> All right. So um, I obtained my job in not a normal fashion. I didn't submit a resume and get called on and do an interview. Um, I am a volunteer with the American Council for the Blind, and I help run ACB Crafters. Um, like I said in the beginning, I live in Arizona. The company I work for is in New Hampshire. I've never been to New Hampshire. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, so I was out there and I was providing content for ACB and I was offering craft classes and I was teaching them, um, organizing them, making sure the facilitators were there and showing up on time. And this company, Future Insight, that, like I said, is out in New Hampshire was looking for something similar and a friend of a friend, you know, they told their friend they're looking for someone to do this. And they're like, Oh, well, I went on a community call and I went to this craft class and I think she might be good for you. So um, I jokingly told my mom on a Saturday afternoon that I needed a job so I could support my craft, my craft habit. Uh, Sunday evening, I get a phone call from a phone number I didn't know. I barely even answered it um, because, like most of you, you probably don't answer phone numbers you don't recognize. Um, but I happened to answer that, and it was a job offer for a job I didn't apply for and a job that did not exist yet. Um, so me doing my thing, the thing I am passionate about, and apparently doing it well, I was noticed, and I um, was given a job offer. Um, I accepted it a few days later, and then I was asked to submit a resume. So that's kind of my story and how I landed where I'm at. And, and you know, I like what you um, mentioned, doing your thing and doing it well, being noticed. That's something we don't always think about. When we are putting ourselves out there, it is important that we you know, do our best job because you never know who's watching or paying attention. The other thing I really like, Kayla, is that you mentioned that a few days later you accepted. And that is so true. When you're, when you're given a job offer, you can take a couple of time, days to think about it. And maybe, Sarah, you could um, reflect on that about lengths of time, you know, when somebody's offered a job. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I strongly strongly encourage people never ever accept the job when it's offered to you verbally thank them and say i really appreciate this offer will you be sharing it with me uh in email so that i can review it and uh what's the timeline when i can respond back to you now granted you may be internally doing a happy dance about to pass <laughs> out <laughs> But I encourage you to make sure because, uh, again, what was said and what is written, not 
that it is intentional, but we are all human. You want to make sure I heard what I heard and also to make sure it's complete and not assume anything. Because if you say yes, then when you get something, then you go, oh, I didn't know. So it allows that time. The normal time frame um, for most offers, it really depends if it's a professional or a salaried role. Typically, they will give individuals about a week. But if it's, let's say, an entry-level clerical hourly type role, uh, depending upon if they're multiple openings, they could at least wait several several days. It's not out of the question. And if they were going, well, we'd really like to know today. Well, I really would like to see the offer so that I can thoroughly review it and then circle back to you. And, you know, you can also say, hey, I, as you are aware, I'm also interviewing with others. And I just want to be able to compare things. So that lets them know, I'm, even though you may not have something, I just want to make sure you're giving me the best possible opportunity. And the reason why you want to wait also is because it leaves you some room to negotiate. If there's nothing that I hope you take away today, in an offer perspective, trust me, everything is negotiable. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. Not No, I'm saying it's, it's open for negotiation. However, they may say, we are tied. We cannot negotiate vacation, but maybe I can give you some extra PTOs or maybe I can't give you the Everything is open to put it on the table. What can you lose? Either they say yes or they say no. But wouldn't you feel terrible if you found out, wow, I didn't know I could have gotten that as well if you never asked. So it gives you some time to kind of look through it and go, you know what? I think this is great, but I'd like an extra week of vacation. I have 25 years of experience, and they're only giving me two weeks. I don't think it's unreasonable. So go back and say, yes, love the offer. However, I would like to see if I could get five additional vacation days. And you might just be amazed what they come back and say. Thank you. Carrie, may I share a personal story? Yes, go ahead, Pam. Okay, it's relative to this um, to the comments that are being made here. I was in a job that I didn't like. I really didn't like it. And I interviewed for another job. And the person who interviewed me, who was the head of the social work department, called me back and told me that I had the job. So I went in and handed my resignation letter that had been prepared for some time. I handed it in. What I didn't understand, and it was a mistake, and I never made it again, although that person told me I had the job, the person did not have the authority to finalize everything. So I learned a valuable lesson to be very <laughs> careful before you quit a job and know that you've been talking to the right exactly. person. Exactly. Now, I did, I did end up with the job, but I will tell you something. It was about six weeks uh, six to eight weeks that I had no income because of that. Yeah. So I, I learned to make sure I'm talking to the right person. Absolutely. And just to add as a little caveat onto that, even after you accept the job, people don't quit. <laughs> Do not quit your job when you hang up and say, I just accepted this job. You don't want to know why? Because companies do background checks. They do some other pre-employment things. And I can tell you anything can happen between that time and the time that you walk in that door. So I strongly encourage until you get the green light, an email that says, everything has cleared. Your official day to report to work is 8 o'clock. On July 12th, that's when you know you have been cleared for employment and you have a job. Because I've had too many times people call and say, well, I, I quit. Well, something came up on your background check that would cause that is going to cause us to rescind this offer that they didn't even know. Awesome. So. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And I, I will just say I am... Um, I myself, I was a job developer for six years, helping people with skills and finding jobs. But this last February, well, last November, I was randomly looking for jobs for clients and saw the job that I um, started in February at a community college. So I'm actually a recent hire. And that is really important um, because when they gave me the job offer, I was like elated, but they still had to run um, 
the background checks and all that stuff. So it was about a week later. And then the other thing is when they said, hey, everything cleared, can you start February 7th? Well, I felt it was very important to give a two-week notice to my um, current employer. So I started February 14th. Yay, Valentine's Day for me. Uh, uh, (laughs) So so that's another negotiable piece. Exactly, exactly. All right, great. Thank you, everybody, all you panelists. Um, so we're going to move on to ring communication, and I'm just going to mix it up because they sent me with your guys' names all in the same order each question, but I'm going to mix it up so you don't have to answer first the, every time, Pam. <laughs> so we're going to let Sarah ask answer first this time. Traditionally, after an interview, you would send a thank you note or email. What do people do now? Um, actually... I wish more people would do this, but uh, they still send thank you or should send thank you emails, not handwritten notes. Back as I shared with you guys, I've been doing this a long time. We would stress that people just get a blank thank you note and handwrite it, drop it in the mail, you know, send it to your the, the, the person you interviewed. However, given snail mail, God knows when the U.S. Postal Service gets it to the company, then you've got to go through a mail room, you hope, or it gets to the designated person. Too much time could take place. So I always encourage people after an interview within 24 hours, you should send a thank you email to all of the people that you interviewed. Oftentimes, you may not have all of the individual's uh, work emails, so send it to the respective HR person and ask them to kindly distribute it to the uh, interview participants. But this is easy because you can already have one, a template, you know, thank you so much for your time, et cetera. It's just fill in the blank if there's some one or two extra sentences on a personal note that you should uh, include in that email. But try to personalize it and make, you know, make sure you express your uh, excitement uh, and your gratitude for them taking time out to um, to meet with you and hope that um, you will be uh, moving forward to the next step or look forward to going to the next step. So uh, I say that I wish more people would do that. I stress this all the time, but I can tell you in my professional career, I probably could count the number of email thank yous I got on two hands. It's just, it just is something people just take for granted, but I can share with you two personal instances that either I got the thank you note or I passed it on to a hiring manager and they remembered the person. I remembered the person. They were so gracious. And this was after we had gone through the entire process and they did not get the job. And uh, a hiring manager recommended that person who did not get it because they sent him a note and said, obviously I'm very disappointed I wasn't selected, but I still would love to be a part of your organization and uh, any team within the organization to make a contribution. So please consider me for future opportunities. And again, I thank you so much for the time and consideration. I learned a lot of things and I hope I get an opportunity to prove to you that I can make an impact. And that was it. And about a month later, this same manager talked to another manager who had an opening and he said, you know what? There was this one person that I was so impressed that they still wanted to be a part of uh, our team after we said no. And, you know, we would go through long lengthy interviews and that person was the front runner. And actually they only interviewed one external person. And that was the person who sent the thank you note. So send thank you notes. And even also it's okay to, to call and leave a voice message and just simply say, really love the interview. Thank you so much for the opportunity. No need to return the call. Just wanted to express my gratitude because it makes a difference. Because on the other hand, we've all been on that other side when we got that no. And I've had some people that were abrupt, flat out rude clicker (laughs) in my face, like, nope, didn't get it. I appreciate, you know, but boom, 
Well, I'm not calling you back down the road either. If you're going to take it that personal, I mean, come on now. Everybody can't can't be, you know, the number one, you know, king or queen of the prom. So uh, I, I definitely think it's always uh, a good idea and it's still acceptable, but it is definitely a rarity because people just don't take the time. So it's so easy to do it in advance and just drop one little extra sentence and send that off after you interview. You never know. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. And I would like to um, add to that a little bit that there are some companies that when you're interviewed, they kind of have their own scoring system that they keep in their, in their computer systems, in their own database, just for that reason of other departments or other things in case you apply again in another department. So, um, so just always, you know, all those things just help out in the future. And um, so our next victim here, Kayla again. So this said when applying for the position. So I guess this is after being offered the position. <laughs> How did you ensure that your resume and any additional documentation was accurate, error-free, formatted correct, and of course, compelling. All right. So um, along with being blind, I am also dyslexic. So written correspondence are extremely scary to me. Um, And I would say this is one of my weaknesses. Um, So I have a friend who professionally writes resumes and Um, other documents and such. So um, I reached out to her for help because I don't have to do this alone. I'm allowed to use my resources, you know. Um, So that would be my biggest suggestion to anybody is if you have a weakness, it's okay. We all do. But there's always someone out there that can help you. So what I did is I sat down with her Um, She found strengths I didn't even know I had. (laughs) So that was awesome. Um, But we sat down and she's like, okay, what have you done? We went down the, you know, year for year. I was um, an administrative assistant working with developmental uh, adults and children with developmental disabilities. Um, Put that on the resume. Um, So she really sat down with me. We spent a few hours going through my work history. Um, just kind of doing an outline. And then she took that outline and um, my uh, previous profession years ago, I was a massage therapist. So I didn't have a job. So I traded um, her services of helping me write my resume and everything. And I gave her a massage for payment. So it was kind of a trade thing. Um, She is um, cited. So she was able to format it, get it all pretty for me, and I was able to submit it. Um, During the process of me doing the interview and all that, like talking with them, this is something I I told them um, I did not keep it a secret. I did let them know, you know, this is a weakness of mine. I did have help with this, but this is the finished product because this is me, um, whether I wrote it or not. So that that's, that's great. And just on a regular basis, I imagine you're using some sort of adaptive software. Yes, and, I use a screen reader. Okay, so use like Word or something that you can spell yes. check and all those. Yes, and um, I, if it's very important, I have my husband write, read it and double check it before I send it out. Um, most of my correspondence are email. Um, so I'm able to, you know, wait a few minutes, have him check it and and do it that way. Um, and it's usually there's an extra space here or you need a comma here um, is usually what it is. And unless I went through it letter by letter, it's things that the screen reader wouldn't pick up on necessarily. So really re- using the resources that are available to you is really important. Yeah. And I like that um, using your resources. The other thing um for, for most of us with disabilities, there are vocational rehabilitation counselors and, you know, people that we can access if you don't have friends or family easily available. You know, I, I haven't um, hardly used Ira, but I imagine they'd be able to help with some of those types of things as well. But putting it out there and letting friends, family, whatever, look at things. And yes, from our panel, other panelists. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I want to also add, not only uh, Ira is great, uh, as I shared last fall, I made a career change. So I was doing, you know, uh, app- online applications, which require your resume. So I needed to update my resume from six or seven years ago. And I just simply added, you know, my um, the work that I was doing with the state. However, what unbeknownst to me is it was a different font. So what I did is after I updated my resume, I asked Ira, because again, I can't see that, uh, the, the formatting, and I asked them to go line by line through it. And it was amazing. I had uh, work titles. One was bolded. The other one, another job wasn't. It was uh, different uh, types of font, different font sizes. One was 10 points. Something else was 11. So I strongly encourage individuals, if you don't uh, have that capability of um, recognizing it on your own, then you can utilize IRA or you have a friend that is an excellent proofreader. But more importantly, also utilize spell check uh, that is already built in in Microsoft. One of the first things when I uh, establish uh, an email account is I put on the uh, box, do not send anything unless it's spell check. So when I hit send, it automatically spell checks and it'll pop up and you can go into some advanced functions. And again, ask for help. You can go through Be My Eyes, the Microsoft team. You can adjust the type of things that need to be flagged when you're spell checking and it will flag extra spaces. It will even do some grammar styles, first person, active voice, etc. But I suggest that you go uh, and work with the Microsoft team in order to do that. But spell check and grammar check everything. And more importantly, you know, again, from an HR perspective, make sure that um, when you do your resume, you have a phone number and uh, a good email account. If you give me your cell phone number, please have a voicemail set up. It's nothing more frustrating for a recruiter to call someone. It rings and rings and then says, this person does not have voicemail set up. Or this person's voicemail is full and is no longer accepting messages. So it is incumbent that if you did not go in and dump all those, you know, spam voice messages so that you can receive uh, a message and more importantly, Don't put your favorite music. Don't put your kids, you know, playing in the background. Don't put your favorite rap tune. Just be very professional because this is the first impression that a company will hear is your voice. Hello, this is Sarah Freeman Smith at the sound of the tone. Please leave your name and number. I'll call you right back. That's it. That's what they want to hear. So uh, those are just some little tidbits that when you do your resume to make sure that uh, it's there. Thanks, Sarah. And, and, and Sam, one thing I wanted to just add into this that I really want to commend uh, Kayla for doing is recognizing when she had the need and the need for assistance. Because the one thing I would say, particularly with this, and be careful of this, do not assume because someone has quote unquote 2020 vision. Amen. That they have skill in reading <laughs> your documents to yeah. make sure that they are error free. And I know some people, some even in my family, I love them dearly. Okay. But they cannot spell well. Exactly. Okay? They don't always <laughs> pay attention to formatting and right. grammar and things yeah. like that. So what I would say is pick that person carefully. Yeah, You know, and what I did is I went to a cousin of mine and asked for help because she's an English professor. Okay. And she's real picky. And so I just wanted to say that, you know, for all of us, sighted folk don't know it all. Okay. That's the way I need to say it to you. So choose that person who helps you. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Pam. And I would also like to add just a little bit, you know, Sarah was mentioning the changes you can make in the grammar checks and those things. Um, I found out in my last job, I was asked to to change a manual and all of a sudden I was told there was different colored fonts on there. So 
I know in JAWS and probably other screen readers, you can do some change some settings so it will announce all those different changes as you go through a document. So, you know, I was able to get it as clean as it was. Then I had that sighted person because I want to respect that person's time that is helping me out. All right. So Pam's question, have you hit any accessibility roadblocks when promoting your business and how did you overcome those? Accessibility roadblocks, you say? Whatever could that be? Everything <laughs> is accessible, 100% accessible. And, and I want to speak from um, the perspective, because I know we have some folks who are using traditional employment model, but we also have some um, business people on the line as well. And what I found is, uh, well, first of all, I love the title because it uses the word evolving. And to be honest with you, just as soon as I think I've come across everything, something new comes up. So I'm always prepared to have to consider some things. One of the things we do is uh, join uh, business networking associations. And many times that means also that they have their own platforms and website procedures and things like that. And so then you go there and find out as much as you want to be a member of the organization, how they communicate um, their sites, even joining. You cannot access it. And so for me, what I found is I had to go through almost uh, kind of an evolutionary process myself. Because whenever I would come to this, particularly for promoting business, my assumption was that there was something, quote unquote, wrong with me, a skill that I didn't have, something that I needed to learn to do differently. So after coming to the reality that that is not necessarily true, yes, I do have to keep my skills up and things like that. So then the, the next strategy that I used was to harass, to rex, it was to harass tech support of any entity that made any accessible piece of software or hardware to see what they could do for me, only to discover that even at times like that, the answers weren't there. So what I did learn is to not fear going to whomever I'm trying to do business with and talking to them about it, honestly, and see what we could do to make it better. I felt I had that obligation, frankly, not just for myself, but for others, too. And, also, and sometimes I found out that they had already been approached. Now, here again, it depends, because I had to get past some things. I don't agree philosophically that a reasonable accommodation, like some people believe, is getting somebody to do it for you. But I do believe that there are those times where that is the most reasonable approach while working on something else. So sometimes I did allow someone to carry out a task for me. And by the way, particularly for those of us in business, I think you would agree, is a lot of times what you're doing is deciding, and this is for all of us, what is the best use of your time? Um, because hours spent on one thing are hours taken away from something. So I have had to kind of decide what I should do. Also, if they weren't cooperative, was I still going to try to work with this entity or just leave it alone? So whether, because everybody is not as open or they're not as open um, the same way and you know, talking to people sometimes, particularly in business and sometimes in em employment, they almost act like they never heard of blind people before or they never heard of people who need certain types of accommodations. And I just had someone say to me the other day, you know, it never occurred to me that there's a demographic that might need to use this software. We just never thought about it. So, again, I, I feel very strongly that rather than saying hard and fast rules, I try to use strategies and flexible ones, but, you know, almost like a, I would guess, say, a carpenter with a toolkit that you use different things depending upon what you're trying to do and don't overly personalize the matter to the point where uh, you can't get moving. Thanks a lot, Carrie. Thanks, Pam. And I'd like to just um, add a couple of things. So, you know, you mentioned something referring to picking your battle. So in my mm. new job, their um, database system with all the student information on it is fairly accessible after the third way to get into it. <laughs> so, um, so, so first the 
you know, the other two. So they had a newer version, which is web-based, which is much more accessible. And so we've worked with the company. And then there's some things that are not very good. So we actually have a, a meeting lined up with the company, with the IT department at my college and I. Um, and we're going to talk about making things accessible. On the student side of everything, things are very accessible. Just, uh, I guess, blind people aren't supposed to work as staff in a college. <laughs> so, um, so, so they're working. Oh, go ahead, uh, I said, it's just so amazing the way they think, you know. I know, go. yeah, exactly. Okay. So the other thing is that picking your battle. So there's two things in there I, I cannot do, but we're not going to battle that. Um, it's a facilities request. So if, I'm, if I need to request room space for something or if I need to put in an IT request. So my reasonable accommodation is I know people, I make a phone call and, you know, that stuff is fixed. Um, but that, but those things are kind of rare in my job that I don't need to access that often, but I definitely need to access student records. And so, you know, making those decisions on what is, um, what needs to be more accessible. And I think the other thing is, you know, when we're running our own businesses, we're going to look for those things that we need that is more accessible. Just like, you know, if we're going to pick a, a bank that we're, you know, if we're going to go through Square or whatever as a business, we're going to pick something that is accessible for us. And so that just um, helps those companies and letting them know, hey, this is a great accessibility, you know, or something. And one more thing I wanted to mention, when I got my new job, in February, um, I get these random emails, and apparently some of the staff have a lot of problems. They'll, they'll create a, a great, wonderful, like, PDF, but they don't can't share the PDF, so they're taking a photo of it and sharing the photo. <laughs> and so that does, is not very accessible. So I actually looked up information, and I sent out a, an email to Sock Talk. Yes, that's the, the email group, and um, sent out information on making things accessible and it was extremely well received. I actually had somebody from the college that puts together their surveys reach out to me and say, okay, hey, I got to develop this survey for disability services. Can you help me? And so, you know, it's created some great things, but it, it's just adding that awareness that things need to be accessible for us. Mm-hmm. So not being afraid to speak up. Yeah. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, so Kayla, has there been things accessibility wise with your new position that you struggled with? So, um, at the beginning, yes, because I didn't have the correct equipment I needed or the training. Um, I already had a voc rehab case open when I offered this job. I was actually going to go back to school to become a life coach when I was offered this job. Um, so I pivoted and instead of having a, um, open case for education, we changed it to employment. So now those barriers have pretty much been broken down. Um, I also have the extra benefit as my supervisor is also blind. So um, a lot of what would have been my accessibility issues, um, (laughs) her being with the company for 15 years, she's kind of already smoothed most most of those out for me. Awesome. so I kind of, I plopped into a really nice spot, a nice comfy chair, um, if I put it that way. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for that, to be honest. Um, and the few things um, I do a lot, I part of my job is content creation. And going along with that, I create kits because I teach craft classes. Um, and so for me, getting a scale that talked to me. Um, so I can, um, so I can, met, you know, weigh those packages, and I have a a, a braille ruler, so I can measure them. Um, the software I picked to do my shipping, um, I went through a couple different ones, tested them out. Um, some were not accessible, so I passed those by. I'm like, see ya. Um, and I let the one that was most accessible ended up being one that was free. It didn't have a monthly subscription like a lot of the other ones where I had to ship a certain amount. Um, It also has the option to have the mailman pick things up directly from my door. 
Um, and I will say that took a lot of research um, to figure out what was going to work for my situation. And I, like I said, I turned a, a lot, I turned away quite a few um, programs that I would have been using before I landed on one that worked. And it, I, again, I lucked out. It was accessible. The mailman will come pick up things from my door. Um, I ordered a talking, you know, they ordered me a talking scale off of Amazon. Um, so it, it's the small things, but each of those little small things makes my life a lot easier. So mm-hmm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And we're going to go ahead and move on to the visual aspect. So Kayla, you get to be my next uh, person. How did you interview and how did you prepare visually? Okay, so um, I did have a, um, a online interview over Zoom. And so I, I dressed up and I did the things as if I was walking into their office. So um, I did my hair all pretty. I wore a really nice shirt. I put pants on that day. Perfect. Joking. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. Um, I I um, I did. I put. I I set up a Zoom meeting with a friend ahead of time to make sure my cam. You know that I was in the camera frame and I was centered. Um, and I sat at my desk exactly the way I was planning on sitting that day of my interview. So I know that I, when I sit down in my desk chair and I open my Zoom program and I sit where equally where I can have my hands in certain spots on the desk, that I am centered. Um, eye contact is extremely, um, even over Zoom, is extremely important to those who are sighted. So we practice that. Where do I look? Do you know where exactly is my camera? And that started out first by me putting my hand up on the camera and then looking towards where my hand was. Um, Obviously, I can't keep my hand up on the camera, so I'm looking at the same (laughs) place when I'm in an interview. So, you know, we had conversations on Zoom, and every time I got off and started looking, she'd be like, hey, adjust, you know, and that's all she had to say. And then I would, and so it was practice, a lot of practice on that because I wanted, I didn't want to come across that I am blind. I wanted that person on the other side of the computer to think that I would, you know, I'm me, that's it. And so I practiced a lot and I took those cues and now I feel very confident on being on video um, because I know what I'm doing. I know my setup and what works for me and where I need to be and where I need to be looking um, so that they get, even though I can't see them, they get the effect that I'm looking at them. Perfect. And you probably made sure your background was okay. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That I forgot. Yes. Um, So, um, yeah. So, and um, the artificial backgrounds, I am told, are not that great. So um, that wasn't, you know, so I have a, I, I just made sure that the room behind me was clean. Um, there is another table behind my desk, and I felt that was very much appropriate to have in the background because that's where I work. Um, but, um, yeah, the when we were practicing it, we I did put up a fake background, and uh, my friend's like, if you move your hand, it leaves a trail. So they can tell that it's a fake background. So she suggested I take it down and off of there, and I just use my normal background because then – it looks more natural when they're looking at me. Yeah. And there, there is the newer feature in Zoom. I heard that is pretty good, that blur background. Blur. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say yeah. the blur background. Yeah. Well, looks yeah. really well. So I kind of did the same thing, but I had to set up a temporary spot in my home. So I made sure there was a white wall behind me. And my poor daughter had to wake up early because, you know, my, my interview was at 8 a.m. by my choice, which isn't too early, but my daughter had to get up and make sure because it wasn't a permanent situation. So I had to make sure I was in the camera. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, you know, a lot of people on Zoom, they have a nice headset or something. I tend to use an earbud so they're not hearing my jaws if I'm using that Mm. to take notes or whatever. (laughs) Um, I think that's less... um, 
Yeah, because yeah. The, when you have head, exactly, that's the word, distracting. And, and I do uh, strongly recommend using earbuds um, because it, 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 they usually can't tell it or it's, it's very nominal. And you can work away and it's not. Carrie, I have to share a crazy thing that happened. And Kayla, you will love this one. My nieces and nephews were over on a Saturday. I had a presentation on Monday. I did not realize that they had fooled with the background because I try to have everything set up and know that it's okay. And what I found out later from the folks that were doing, they thought it was great and it had been planned. It was not. Apparently, they had switched to a Disney theme and behind (laughs) me was Mickey Mouse. And and if any of you ever tell this story, I know you did. So they said every time I would sort of move appropriately, it was as if Mickey was sort of peeping out from behind me. (laughs) And I I was never so embarrassed. Oh, my God. Check your theme. Check your background. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to just add a little bit, and then we can probably kind of wrap it up. I know that from a time perspective, but also uh, what I learned when I was interviewing last fall is, again, you can do Zoom, Teams, uh, meet, uh, meeting. I can't remember. There's a, several other, you know, uh, visual formats um, that you can use. But what I strongly encourage, if you're not familiar, like most people use Zoom, but a lot of the companies I was interviewing was using Microsoft Teams. Practice. Uh, Kayla uh, mentioned that uh, I cannot stress practice to make sure you can, uh, you know, do it in advance with a friend so you know that you're set up. But also what I found is no matter what, the well-played plan, something can always happen. Have a backup. What I learned is what if for some reason you go click that link and it won't open? And you're freaking out and you're panicking and it just won't work or your Internet's, uh, you know, is acting crazy. I did a backup, always would write down that one tap mobile phone number, put it in my cell because usually I was doing the, you know, on my iPad or, or computer. So I always knew in the event I can't get in, I have a backup and I'm not freaking out like where's that number. So uh, I strongly encourage you because then if you're having technical issues, you get there, you're frazzled. Everything just, you know, kind of goes downhill from there. So uh, that would be my my tip. And we already talked about, you know, making sure clutter and the lighting and things of that nature. But believe it or not, some companies now are, are asking people to come in in person. So that visual impact, that first impression makes a difference. So still uh, dressing professional is, is very important in presenting yourself um, and putting that best foot forward. Because as I learned many, many years ago, you only get one chance to make a first First impression. So whether it is online or walking in that door that you are, you know, fully, um, you know, dressed in and uh, prepared to make, you know, a confident uh, in a professional presentation. Great. Thanks. So, Pam, how did you develop your visual brand and how do you keep it current? Okay, great. I'm going to make this very simple because I'm going to read what somebody taught me about visual branding. And it says visual branding is is an important facet of your marketing strategy. It consists of all the visual elements used to represent your business from your logo to the font on your business card. Each component works together to create the overall look and feel of your brand. That helped me to understand that there were a number of factors that I had to consider in visual branding. So it wasn't just one item. Also, I had to consider what what kind of a platform I, am I on? Is it YouTube? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Because I'm finding that each one of them, even in terms of how you use um, visual branding, varies. So one of my strategies is A, to have somebody who is a specialist in that work with me and number two to not accept the visual branding as complete but to recognize that I need to be aware for example what we use for visual branding before the pandemic changed during and now was changing after some things are going back to what they were but some things aren't so it's something that I have to give some attention to but I also use the expertise of um, others that's my answer thank you thanks Pam and so, Sarah, this kind of circles back on part of our last conversation, you know, conversation about 
Kayla. So no, mm-hmm. nothing is the same anymore. We interview in person on Zoom or other areas over the phone. What's the visual ask, um, expectation of applicants? Um, I would definitely say that visual um, aspect is extremely important because, again, we as blind or visually impaired know that that we are in a much smaller percentage. And so, so many things are built upon sight and so many people make uh, quick assertions just based on sight. So, uh, from a visual perspective, making sure that you come across just as equally as uh, competent and proficient as that sighted individual uh, is is imperative. Um, uh, as Kayla mentioned, she had to practice trying to do her best to make eye contact. That's that's always a challenge, especially when you really can't see the person's face. But when you're uh, on a screen, yes, that's 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 exactly what I had to do was figure out where my camera was, and then again practice with someone on Zoom and saying, "Yeah, you're a little off because I tend to move around uh, a lot." So being able, I had to take my roller chair and just go get a dining room chair that was stationary so it forced me to be still so I wasn't rolling all around uh then um the other aspect is when you're in person you know again uh being visually impaired I used to be able to you know take in a portfolio and hand write some notes and then I could flip through my little legal pad and look at my prepared notes well now that I'm you know visually impaired and I have to rely on the screen reader that's the other reason I try to have two forms I'll interview using my iPad but I'll have my laptop open on a page with prepared questions always have questions never ever when they say do you have any questions Sarah nope I'm good no have a question or two so that you can look through it uh, but that's the other reason using a Bluetooth in my um, you know uh, a wireless Bluetooth because I can easily click on my laptop and they're not hearing all of that as much as I'm talking but I have not only my prepared questions, I have a blank Word document or notepad open. So if they say something, I can type in, you know, I need to address or ask to clarify. And then the other thing is, is I always open up the job posting because usually there's going to be a question that comes up about this is what we want. Or you may have a question and say, you know what, you mentioned this in the posting and I was hoping you could clarify. That tells that interviewer, this person's very serious and they're not taking it lightly not only are they bringing back to me my very words so but doing that proficiently again takes practice because if you've got your bluetooth they never you never miss a lick they it's not like i'm handwriting and i even say give me just a few minutes i've got a few notes and so it's okay for my eyes to move and look up to my screen so that i'm you know take that's where i'm looking at my notes so if i'm in person i go in with a recording device i will either put my phone out and say please uh, i want to ask for your indulgence i have some prepared notes saved on my phone as well as i've got some questions so that's what i am using you know, here to take, you know, to, uh, to refer to my notes. I'm not, you know, expecting a, you know, a fantastic call from someone. So, or any other recording device, just say, this is my means of taking notes. And you already have those notes. You've got a Bluetooth earbud, boom, you can pull it up and still just be as smooth and as proficient as someone who is sighted sitting across that desk. So it gives that visual impression but more important i like to address the elephant in the room and since i'm the elephant because i'm walking in with a cane or some of us may have guide dogs or it's clear and obvious i am i am visually impaired or totally blind then it shows wow not only is this person able to sit and i'm turning to talk to the person at least from where my projection uh, Mm. of their voice is so that's my eye contact so I think those all things gives them an opportunity rather than saying I'm good at what I do. Let me show you how I use my technology to be just as equally proficient. So it's smooth. Um, So we have just a a few more minutes and I was wondering if each of the three of you guys, I get to put you on the spot now because this wasn't something prepared. I was hoping each of you would be willing to do, 
you know, one piece of advice you would like listeners um, of today's session to get out of this? And we'll start with Pam. (laughs) Okay. Thank you very, very much. What I hope that you get out of this session is the reality that there are a number of ways to address these issues. There is not one size fits all. And so you're going to have to develop that which fits best for you. And even once you do that, remember that this is still evolving. The world of employment, the world of business is changing. And so be flexible, be practical, and be sensible. That's all for me. And thank you for having me. Thank you, Pam. And what about you, Kayla? Um, For me and my experience, I would say um, you never know who's out there watching you. So try to be someone that you are proud of every day. That's great. And Sarah? Be confident in your capability. Do not let anyone tell you what you cannot do. You determine what you are comfortable and best at doing. And most importantly, never, ever being afraid to ask. It is okay to ask for help. You would be amazed what type of help you can get. But always don't give up on yourself. You can do it. Great. Thank you. And actually, I think we might have time for like two questions. All right. Um, Let's go to Annie Davis. Um, yeah, so my question is when um, there, there was some talk earlier about when to accept a job and when not to accept. So with all the calls that people are receiving from their resumes on Ohio Means Jobs and, and everything like that, um, what other things should we look out for? I think she was saying um, when someone would extend an offer, she and they would say, I need an immediate answer. To me, from an HR perspective, that's a flag because you would not do it to someone else, another professional, and say, I need your answer right now on the spot. Anyone would want to see something in writing and say, I appreciate it, but are you saying you cannot provide this to me in an email form for me to review it to you know, make sure that I don't have any questions based on just a verbal confirmation? So that would be a red flag. And, and I, I, I'm hoping that they're not companies out there. But then if they are, then what are you doing that I got to say yes before I even see what you're really offering me? Because then if I say yes and I come back, I find out this position doesn't have benefits. I find out I thought you told me it had a bonus structure, but I don't see it written here. Oh, I made a mistake. So that's the reason you want to try to just see it in writing. So, uh, and hopefully, you know, there, there should not be an issue, but I would definitely say, well, if you need an immediate answer, you know, if you, if you want, and again, if you need the job, go for it. And if it all works out, that's fine. But it just tells me something's not quite right. If they got to have an immediate answer. First of all, I just want to say, this is Carla Hayes. Great presentation. Great presentation. But um, I also want to make, um, and I really enjoyed what you had to say, and I also would like to bring to your attention that come to the expo because I have two products that you that are related to this that might help you out. Uh, one of them is a communications course that I developed called Dynamic Communication, Seven Principles for Getting Your Point Across. It has music and sound effects and little exercises that you do, and it takes each letter of the word dynamic, and it stands for a principle of dynamic communication. And the second product that you might have of interest is uh, that I have of interest is called as a job readiness test for blind job seekers. And it's an inventory that you give yourself and grade yourself. And then you work towards improvement to prepare for employment. And I've sold them to different folk rehab agencies as well as individuals. So if you're interested in that, please feel free to see me at the expo. And also I'm in room um, 4089. And I have an ad in the convention newspaper today, tomorrow, and the next day, if you can't do that. And there are ways to contact me even after the convention. But today they're cash and carry. So, okay. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. And I want to thank our panelists for doing such a fantastic job. They have done a great job. And 
We're at 12.08, so I think we need to go ahead and get down to the to the end here. I want to thank our panelists. You guys did a great job, some great information, and I hope everybody learned something out of it. And, um, and artists, did you want to say anything more about Ivy real quick? Just thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. And if you want some good tips on entrepreneurship, you go to our website, ivie-acb.org and there's books that you can read to get information Mm -hmm. there's also links to more information plus you can find a list of current members and their particular occupations and so if you want to go into a certain field you can contact them so just make sure you're aware of that resource thanks artists and NextGen is also a, a co-sponsor. So, Kayla, what's the best way to get a hold of NextGen? ACB, nextgeneration.org. Um, so, th- so they are um, giving two door prizes away. And the winners of these, um, they will be getting a hold of you and mailing you your prize. So the first prize is a... $50 AT Guys gift certificate. Yay, that's pretty exciting. And Sheila Styron won that. Congratulations, Sheila. Then there is a lighted handheld magnifier by some anonymous donor. Sarah Alknan. Thank you, everybody. And thank you for joining us both in person and online.